0: Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.
1: Good morning, good morning. My name is Andrea Simintov, and you are listening to Pull Up a Chair on Israel News Talk Radio.com. Really, my favorite place in the world. Well, I think it's almost my favorite. I like the beach up north, but I also like Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> okay, so um, we had a little bit of a hiatus, but we're back together, and it's very nice. Shared values, shared hopes, shared dreams, shared aspirations from the mail I receive, from the notes, from the little Facebook comments. I think that, correct me if I'm wrong... But the things that unite us far outweigh those things, issues, concerns that divide us. Um, that's really what today's show is about a lot. We're going to be discussing also the Torah portion of Pinchas and, uh, how do you say, it? I think it's Pinchas, I think it's Pinchas in English, Pinchas in Hebrew, um, and um Really, the things that divide people really led to uh, some interesting events. This past week, just kind of the things, I was going through my Yoman, Hebrew 101, which is my calendar, my schedule, and um, because sometimes the things that happen during the week really kind of are food for this show, things that I like to share with you, things that happen to me as I try to grow and traverse this incredible journey called life. And I was at a shiva call and I met somebody, I met really a, a very, a very wonderful woman, far, I, I suspect, one of, a real, a real pride. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I met somebody at a shiva call who called me out. And... Um, what I found more fascinating, she called me out for not being careful with my language. Something that those listening from New York know all about it. Shall I go and say some New Yorkisms? You're killing me. He slayed me. I died laughing. This is just coming off the top of my head, so I can't do um, um I walked into the house and it looked like there had been a Holocaust. Look at this child. She's a little terrorist. I'm guilty of this. So many of us are guilty about this. And I I met this woman and she was charming and fun and vivacious and incredibly young. And I meet a lot of people who are very young and I think that they're my contemporaries. Um, Not because they're young, but because I'm immature. And she said to me, when I said to her, I said, you know, she was funny and really sharp. And I said to her a couple of times and I couldn't stop myself. I said, you know, you're killing me. You're killing me. And she looked at me and she said, be careful. Be careful with your language. Words, her exact quote was, words have power. And I admit to you, my friends, there was a time in my life where I would have taken great umbrage at that. Who is she? And suddenly... I thought to myself, "Thank you, God. Thank you for sending into my orbit just another of your angels. And no, maybe not an angel. I don't know. Another of your holy representatives to help guide me toward improvement, to help sensitize me and us when we hear somebody." Share, You know, we hear people share an event, um, share a thought, share an idea, share a barb or a piece, a bon mot, a piece of humor. And they're unaware of perhaps the pain they're causing others. It's a real crime to insensitivity and abusing the holy language. And I must tell you, um, if perchance this gal is listening in, I take my hat off to you rather my tickle and I say thank you thank you for making it a better week and giving me a little bit more to strive for because what is it it's the striving that keeps us young keeps us vibrant and indeed keeps us investment invested I often think that life really is a ballet the choreographer dwells in heaven and on earth are we working daily on mastering the steps? It's just a question. And I'm grateful for God introducing me to that holy, holy choreographer. Okay. Oh, let's see this. This microphone is very long. Okay. Also, I became very sensitized this week. I, I'd be very curious to know. Drop me a note. Drop me a note. Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. That's the address. And um, if you love the show, drop me a note there. If you hate the show, drop me a note, and we'll see what we can do to <laughs> to, to bridge the gap that separates us. Um, so, this week I had a had a lot of clients. You know, I have a um uh, how do we say it? I have a um makeover, hair, makeup, personal, physical improvement uh, business here, and I had a, a couple of clients, and just accidentally. Really? Um, I had three women, three of whom, two of whom had new babies. One actually had was blessed with twins. The other, uh, another adorable little baby girl. And another one who's expecting after four miscarriages. All of these women who came to me were helped via Israel's incomparable, and I really have to say it, um, fertility centers. This is... Not enough can be written about what Israel is doing to help women who are suffering from fertility issues. Anyway, I felt very grateful, again, humbled, grateful that for me, I had forgotten that heady glee of being a new mother. And that for so many women, including those who are listening in, and not just women but their partners um for some it doesn't come naturally at all so for those of us who perhaps are having aggravating days with our children i call that tuesday anyway um for all of us to understand the nace the miracle god's glory in bringing um new children into the world and it's not to be taken for granted and just stare into the face of somebody who is suffering from the issue of infertility and feel just a little bit more of a a little more gratitude. Okay. I'm trying to share the fear and not so much the rage. Hold on a second. I'm reaching here in my fingers. Hold on a second. Wait. You can hear it. Hear the pages. See, I'm flipping the pages. Received a very beautiful piece of, looks like a little printed piece with tons of pages in Hebrew, not an ounce of English, except for, oh let's see, is that an email address in the back? Oh, you yeah, know, a, ca- a website that I went into and is mysteriously missing. But I did enough Googling and it's beautiful with kind of like a Van Gogh painting of a man in the fields. And it really looks like it's your weekly Torah reading. But something didn't smell right because I know what neighborhood I live in. I live in a neighborhood with lots of immigrants from previous previous uh, from, from socialist and communist countries. Anyway, once again, dun-dun-dun-dun, polished, gorgeous, professional missionary material. Flooding the neighborhood. Of course, there's only so many mailboxes. I personally can attack and take it out. So, you know, I did some Googling and I found that those... I found the ones who are targeting our children, same names, same crew, same, clearly, Jews for Jesus. It's, It's. you get down to the bottom line. They don't even, Um. you know, I guess I can't come up with another term. And I just want to share this with you because I have a few listening in. We have a lot of, um, in fact, Christian, I, I'm sure we have some Muslim listeners and we have um, Buddhist and Hindu listeners, but I'm sharing this thought. Mamish, I'm throwing this out to my Christian friends. There, it is just such an unmitigated nerve, a chutzpah. It is nefarious. If you would see how beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it's duplicitous. It's secretive. It's hard to identify. As a matter of fact, the entire publication is so damn Jewish that anybody, I could have put it out on our table for our Shabbos reading and say to my husband, look at this, we got another book of Torah reading. Let's see what we have, another Devar Torah for Shabbos. I will say this now, and please, I hope you stay, my friend, but if you don't, it's okay, I'm willing to pay the price. Christ has no place in the practice of Judaism. There's no adjunct celebrating Yiddishkeit. That includes Jesus. Judaism is rich enough. It's broad enough. It's elastic enough. And it's antithetical enough to Christianity in every single way that it does not belong. It's not up for consideration. I am Jewish. This is a Jewish country. Pull up a chair and Israel News Talk Radio are, duh, dun dun dun, dun. Jewish, and if we, those who are listening, whether live or via podcast, have established a friendship through our shared values and our hopes for humanity, please, please, I cannot make it clearer, because I do get the letters, and I do get the hints, and everybody's so nice, but please do not insult me, mine, and ours by sending literature that does not belong in our orbit let's cherish and let's protect our friendships let's not abuse them by soiling one another's holy spaces (sighs) okay that's it now can i throw this out hold on let's listen hold on in the garbage thank you okay they should have saved the money and put it into bettering hospitals okay buying food for the hungry I don't know what that thing cost. Okay. Um, Apparently, you guys liked Simon. We had a good time. I was on two weeks ago with Simon and C. We had a really good time together. And um, stay tuned. You'll be hearing a little bit more of Simon and Andrea. um, Playing, laughing, disagreeing, as only two Yids can. And, um, yeah. So, if you liked it. Stay tuned. We have more surprises for you. Okay. Yesterday, um, I spent yesterday in Icholov Hospital in Tel Aviv. Uh, I don't know Tel Aviv. I have to tell you, until I was a a contestant on a reality television show in 2013. (laughs) I'm sure I've told you this many times. I'm even beginning to bore myself. But... In, two, in January of 2013, I had been in Israel approximately 17 years. In those 17 years, I think I had been to Tel Aviv maybe four times. And um, it might have been like to the port in old Jaffa and to the beautiful, the Shuk Pish Pishim to look for antiques. I cannot imagine anything. I mean, I really have a deep, deep aversion or had a deep aversion to Tel Aviv. Forgive me if you're listening in but from Tel Aviv. But anyway... Uh, I joined a study. Anyway, I spent yesterday in Icholov as part of i I'm um, um, part of a Parkinson's disease research project that's in conjunction with John Hopkins in the U S. and somewhere in Europe. If you really care, I'll find out. Uh, I'm a control patient. Thank God. Thank God. You know, they're I'm the I'm the normal one that they're comparing all their notes to. So yesterday, I had been there like the week before and yesterday was a whole day including a brain scan and there was a lot and a lot of walking and sitting around while I waited for all of those materials that shot into my arm to kind of take hold and make me totally radioactive it was very scary I had to like stay away from pregnant women I had a I was like darting all over the place hiding from babies anyway I was sitting in the lobby and working on an article for a uh a magazine that I I Um, submit to and I was afforded an opportunity to kind of observe I don't have a lot of a lot of quiet time in my life and it was very nice to think that I had to become like a walking uh, you know uh, I had to become like a, a walking medical experiment in order to relax for the day and I was able to see really families interacting Individuals, couples, parents and children, so many of them wearing faces of joy and a lot of them wearing faces of sadness. It was so crazy that the human face, without uttering a word, can express such hope and despair. You know, I was thinking about you, listeners, friends. I seriously recommend if you find or budget the day and sit around the hospital, sit around a lobby of a hospital, especially the rehabilitation units, sit there on a day when you're feeling a little bit down, a little cheated in life, a little sorry for yourself, and indeed, even distant from God. I have to tell you, more than any synagogue, more than any ashram or psychology clinic, sometimes that hospital waiting room or lobby is just the place to humbly reconnect with our Heavenly Father and ask Him for the will, not just to survive and thrive, but the will to give and to give a little more. All right, so... And uh, let's see, before we get into, I just want to toss something in in the humor department, okay? Because you listen to this show because I try to find the fun, the fun in everything. So let's tell the fun. In the humor department, the, you're not going to believe it that behind this mic, I, Andrea Simentov, and pull up a chair, I'm giving a big, a guns a shout out to U.S. President Joe Biden. Yes. Pray tell, Andrea why we don't really hear you touting him to the high heavens most of the time well apparently joe biden is keenly aware that i have been neglecting my gym sessions he obviously has heard either he or jill has heard that my my you know i've gotten a little bit flabby and what did he do to help me he landed in israel just as my tel aviv train was pulling into jerusalem Uh uh-huh And so because of this illustrious visitor and his caring for me, there was no bus service from the center of Jerusalem to my um, southern Jerusalem corner of the city. And I walked and walked and walked in addition to the heavy hoofing I'd done in sweltering Tel Aviv, 30 degrees temperature, I walked until I couldn't walk, until my ankles were swollen and my feet were actually bleeding inside of my shoes. My husband couldn't even help and pick me up because all of the roads were closed because Joe Biden was in Tel Aviv. Israel, Jerusalem was closed. I finally grabbed an air-conditioned cab halfway home and I have no idea what it cost. I threw the wallet at him. Do you want to know what my step count was? I kid you not. My step count yesterday (laughs) was 12,500. Thank you, Joe. I am feeling so fit this AM, okay? But the really the the best part, the warmest part and all joking aside, feeling firm, feeling fit. I call I'm going to call it the Joe Biden workout was, I tell you, in the train station, the new Jerusalem train station, it's called the Yitzhak Navon after uh, President Navon train station it's actually a bomb shelter if you have claustrophobia it is very scary take medication between leaving the train and getting to the top it's like three or four mile high escalators until you get to the top and it's very very scary but beautiful and clean and take it from me and my 66 year old bladder the bathrooms are lovely anyway suddenly in the depths, it's really like you know, you're. It's an underground cave. I heard the most beautiful piano music, and it was almost like I was hypnotized. And so many of us kept walking toward the music, toward the music, toward this very, very Jewish music. And suddenly, at the foot of one of the ele- escalators, escalator number one hundred four or one hundred five, were a bunch of yeshiva guys. Yeshiva guys, white shirts, black pants, big black velvet kipot, yarmulkas. they were singing in such robust, magnificent harmony. It was the epitome of what we call a kiddish Hashem, a sanctification of God's name. And if you only would have seen the, not just the tourists, in particular, there were a lot of, there for some reason, <laughs> there were a lot of African tourists on the Israeli train station train yesterday but also there were indians and there were people the train passes the airport so people were coming from the airport to jerusalem and they were standing around and taking it just beautiful so um thank you guys thank you for putting a bright spot in an otherwise um, very tense transportation day. Oh, I just got I just got the list of who's listening in. We have the US listening in this morning. Uh Israel. Thank you. We're not gonna go too late so everybody can get to work if you have a street that you can get out of. Uh Canada is with us this morning. Japan, very nice. Haven't seen you guys in a while. Australia, and um I'll find I'll I'll call out anytime mm-hmm. I see anybody else. Happen to you know South Africa's listening in. For sure, for sure, my friend Austin is listening. Let me throw out this piece of paper here. Okie doke. We're watching the clock, watching the clock. Great line from, uh, what what do they call them? A a coach, a master coach, Tony Robbins. Uh, Great line. You become who you spend time with. Yeah, I would say that's pretty consistent with Torah yeah um this line this came to me uh, somebody posted this and i i kind of liked it it's very you know last week for example we had listeners from poland with us and i'm i'm always so grateful when anybody listens in but i'm very nervous because poland was the only group that really kind of lambasted this station and me in particular on twitter a couple of years ago and um so i I, you know i was a little bit nervous but if you are friends friends of the jewish people If you're Jewish yourself, of course, but if you're a friend of the Jewish people, welcome. Come into our orbit. Um, We have holy things to share. And the best part is we'll never try to convert you. If a Jew tries to convert you, run. Okay? Ask questions. Uh, Here. So this was the line I came. The world has forgiven Germany for an industrial-scale genocide against the Jews, but will never forgive Israel for winning a war they didn't start. Certainly worth thinking about. All right. Um, Had a thought this week. I Many years ago, when I had first made Aliyah, so let's see, I made Aliyah. I'll tell you exactly the year I went. I was living in a rental house, a beautiful rental house. So I made Aliyah in the summer of 1995. So this must have been that autumn or possibly January of 96. I had the great schus, the merit to see what I believe was one of Marcel Marceau, the greatest mime, or if you're really, a, if you're really in the know, you call him a meme. Um, He's certainly his last performance in Israel, but I had been told that it, it was his last performance, so maybe it was his last tour. So anyway, anybody who knows, you all know who Marcel Marceau was. He was the creator of the um, famous character Bip. You could see him in his white pants and the black and white stripe uh, shirt horizontally anyway he had an extraordinary talent for pantomime Pantomime, and how was he really discovered his talent um saved hundreds of jewish children during the shoah and you know we don't throw out the word shoah or holocaust on this program without putting the full weight behind it he was jewish uh born to a jewish family in strasbourg france Uh, 1923, a year before my dad. And young Marcel Marceau, he discovered Charlie Chaplin at age five. Very interesting. I think Chaplin was French, so that would have been because okay. So he entertained his friends with Chaplin imitations, and he dreamed of starring in silent movies, which were the only movies of the time. So when he was 16 years old, according to my sources, the Nazis marched into France. Those of you who know what happened at the Ville de Eve have studied their uh, French Jewish history, and the. Jews of Strasbourg had to flee for their lives. So he changed his last name to Marceau. What was his last name? His name was Mengel. And he changed his name to Marceau to avoid being identified as Jewish. And he joined the French resistance movement. So he masqueraded as a Boy Scout. He He was a very small man. And he evacuated a Jewish orphanage in eastern France. As part of the French resistant movement, he told the children he was taking them on a vacation into the Alps and led them safely into Switzerland. And he made this journey, according to my sources, and it's been documented, three times, saving hundreds of these orphans. Now, how was he able to avoid detection and get the very frightened children to stay focused? He used silent pantomime. Um, So there was a documentary filmmaker named uh, Philippe Morat who explains that Marceau started miming to keep the children quiet. He was miming literally for his life. Uh, Marceau's father perished in Auschwitz and the people who came back from the camps were never able to talk about it. And he said, my name is Mangal, I am Jewish. What I just wanted to say that was that in 1947... This is really very, I really, I I love sharing this stuff with you. Marcel created his beloved character, Bip, a childlike everyman with a stovepipe hat and a red carnation. For the next 60 years, Marcel, Marcel was the world's foremost master of the art of silence. Pop star Michael Jackson credited him with inspiring his famous moonwalk. Um, just that in, 19, in 2001, which would have been I think he had stopped performing by then he was awarded the Wallenberg Medal for his acts of courage during the war when the award was announced people speculated on whether Marcel would give an acceptance speech he replied <laughs> never get a mind talking because they won't stop And until his death at the age of 84, Marcel Marceau performed 300 times a year and taught four hours a day at his pantomime school in Paris. He died on Yom Kippur 2007. As I say, I had the incredible schus to have seen him, um, seen him live. I remember the tickets cost a fortune and I brought my young children with me not knowing what they would remember or what would, but I once remember hearing, I remember when I, I first became Torah observant, my my ex-husband listened, put on a, um, it wasn't a recording, it was a live farbrengen of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. The Ra- Lubavitcher Rebbe was speaking on a Saturday night, a motzi Shabbos, giving a Torah talk, and it was live, and it was those days, we put on the radio, and it was all in Yiddish. And I said, but I won't understand. I won't understand. I don't speak Yiddish. And my husband, at the time, taking my very young children to see Marcel Marceau, what their minds won't remember, their hearts will surely um, never forget. Okay. Woo-hoo, Israel! Woo-hoo, Israel! Cyprus has joined us this morning. Very nice. Bochito Cyprus. It's going to be a hot day today. Just sharing that with you. Turn on, get rid of the the AC. Okay, primatologist Jane Goodall. We all know about Jane Goodall. Um, She is a renowned primatologist working with apes, environmental campaigner, and UN peace messenger, I'll forget her, I'll forgive her for the UN part, Um, Dame Goodall announced last week that a new branch of the Jane Goodall Institute is being established in Israel. This is just fascinating. It's going to be based at the Max Stern Jezreel Valley College in northern Israel. I know just where that is. I go there for summer camp each year. I go there for a week with uh, children with disabilities. Mm. Okay. And we're Dr. Itai Rothman, an evolutionary anthropologist and longtime associate of Goodall teaches and carries out research. This for me personally is so, so exciting. You all know that I am a real champion, just a champion of the environment. Um, I literally have trouble breathing not just when the world is callous about our beautiful natural resources, but that when I see Jews, Jews, Torah Yidden, using plastic, being callous about about our beautiful planet, and forgetting the injunction of protecting all that God has given to us. Um, I really suffer, and it, I do take great... um had a, quite a few head-butting run-ins with fellow Jews over this. Okay, so um, the new institute established with both Goodall and Rothman uh, will be reaching out to various municipalities, community centers, schools, and other institutions. And there are quite a few goals. These are including, yay, 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 encouraging Israeli citizens, uh, cities, sorry, and citizens. That wasn't Freudian. That was real. To set aside land for ecological corridors to enable wild animals to move between protective areas. Working with the Bedouins in the Negev in southern Israel to um, replant some of their native trees and medicinal plants that once peppered the area's dry stream beds. We call them wadis when the l- landscape was uh, desert. It says desert woodland savannah that's a very nice term i wrote an article i could really use that and restore the wetlands that made up large swaths of northern israel before they were driving and converted for construction and agriculture you know what they've got my thumbs up i love it goodall who's now 88 88 she spoke for almost 15 minutes at this conference with rothman telling them that it was bizarre that the most intellectual creature to walk the planet that's us boys and girls, uh, is destroying its only home. And she closed with saying we're part of the natural world and rely on it for everything. Well, I don't know Jane Goodall's politics and I'm not going to pursue it. That line alone is enough Torah for me. All right. In another woohoo moment, because I can't get enough celebrating This beautiful country, this evolving country, this sometimes irascible and troublesome country. Here was a story. Don't ask me where I saw the story. It was something something Jewish. Uh, 20 high school entrepreneurs present startups to potential investors. Look, high tech in Israel. And that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say high tech because whenever I say anything more, my son yells at me and says, you don't know what you're talking about, mom. I once told people, they said, what does your son do? I said, he's in computers. He said, how could you tell people on computers? And he was in things like coins and chains and, and I don't know what. So I said to him, I said, well, is there a computer in your workplace? Close enough. Anyway, 20 high school, it's a teenpreneur students. They showcase their business plans to conclude the Uziya Galil startup program, the first year. And the name of the event was last week. It's called Let's Start Up. 19 high school students. You see, that was inaccurate. It was not 20. From across Israel had an opportunity to present their startup projects to top Israeli high-tech investors. The world is astounded by Israelis' um, inroads. I mean... Those who hate Israel, when they say, get rid of Israeli technology in your homes, in your homes and office, at the same time you're lambasting Israel, and we'll communicate with you by smoke signal. Good luck to you. So... This program exposes young startup entrepreneur, entrepreneurs to innovation um, and the startup community, as well as granting access to knowledge sources, funding and investment. And indeed, it's not in my notes, but clearly it's a, um, it's a way to alert the more uh, polished startup companies about the talent who's out there and kind of grab them, pluck them up very early on and let's see um, you don't know these companies you know they, they, Elron, Oracle they were all there anyway there was a lot of Kesher made and we're going to be hearing great things all right before we go oh you know here's another minute I have two more things I'm just watching the clock because everybody has been so great giving me this time this morning I want to make sure that we get to our Torah but I want to share one more beautiful story As we go into um, our Sabbaths, our shared Sabbaths together, of course, someone like Marcel Marceau is, oh, it's famous, it's big, kids mime, they spacewalk. Even if they don't know exactly who he is, with a little tweaking, we've had um, imitation characters throughout the years in child's birthday parties. But here's a lovely story about a Holocaust survivor Again, a lot of these stories, listen, it's modern Jewish history, and we still can access it. There are those alive who, if indeed were not the the central caste players, their offspring, those who witnessed, those who heard firsthand. So there was a... Um, a survivor, her name is also from France. Wow, well, I don't know what. I'm kind of drowning with French stuff today. A Holocaust survivor Francine Christophe. She was born in Paris in August 18th, 1933. I wonder if she's still alive. I'm looking at my notes. It doesn't say anything. Um, while attempting to flee the Nazis in 1942, francine and her mother marcel they were arrested and eventually they were deported to bergen belsen concentration camp in 1944 i don't have to tell you what bergen belsen was marcel kept that was mommy she kept two small pieces of chocolate for her daughter to use when she was helpless and in need of energy and she kept them these were precious pieces of chocolate not to be squandered but When a fellow inmate named Helene, she was pregnant and emaciated, she went into labor. A baby born in Auschwitz was doomed. A mother delivering a baby born in, sorry, in Bergen-Belsen, doesn't matter. They were doomed. The Christoph ladies gave her the chocolate for strength. Helene gave birth to a baby girl and miraculously both survived. Decades later, our story goes ahead, Francine, the daughter, ordered a conference on the topic of survivors and mental health. When a psychologist from Marseille uh, got onto the stage, she said, I have something for Dr. Francine. She placed a piece of chocolate in Francine's hands and she said, I am the baby. Call it what you will, invest, give, sit back, wonder, and most important, give praise. Okay, I love that. This week's Torah portion, let's talk about Pinchas. In this week's Torah portion, and, and you know, I expect you, obviously, I'm not going to sit in, this is not a Torah lecture where we said, no, let's see, now the Torah says, you have to know your Torah, you got to read it, um, do not read the King James Version, I don't know what it is, do not get your Torah from your hotel uh, <laughs> desk drawer, okay, we have wonderful sources, um, art scroll, Koran, Zax, whatever, all right, so this week's Torah portion, what is it, the Herzchomish too. Uh, Okay, so this week's portion warns us, I love this, for those of us who live in a world of Instagram, live in a world of Facebook, live in a world of tweet, how easy it is to be swept away by current culture, media, I love that word, influencers, what the heck do you have to be to be an influencer, societal popularity, and by those who are very, very quick to condemn others for their thoughts and action. When Pinchas killed Zimri, and Zimri was a uh, prince in the tribe of uh, Shimon, I have to tell you, this was not a popular move, despite our historical take. He was roundly criticized and threatened by those in Jewish society because of this act of zealotry remember the word zealot, or in Hebrew, the Zelat we say, when this act occurred, society considered it to be wrong, harmful, certainly worthy of criticism. Later, you know, in the full light of perspective of the time, the act was not only acceptable, but at the time, necessary, critical, and in fact, heroic. You know, the critics... Um, really piled upon Pincus, mentioning the fact that his own pedigree was a little bit uncertain. And although he was the grandson of Aharon, he was also, that's Aaron, he was also the product of a woman who was of a Midianite origin, from the tribe of Midian. Moshe himself was married to a daughter of Yitro, the high priest of Midian, and did nothing. By what right then did Pincus have to take it upon himself to commit that double killing? So there's something implicit in this accusation as to who made him the zealot, the enforcer of God's will, so to speak. You know, in a way he kind of usurped power and he grabbed a status that he, uh, that he gave to himself. In short, Perhaps Pincus was not to be seen as a hero or a holy person, but rather he was considered to be impetuous, rash, an upstart that committed a double slaying without proper sanction or, uh, you know, the brachas from above. The Torah record, record, records that heaven in itself intervened to set the record straight and to clearly support and justify the behavior and actions of Pincus you know there are a lot of times in history that that a story has repeated itself albeit you know under under different circumstances we know this we know this history turns you know temporary heroes who are beloved in their time into eternal village villains when judged by later historical facts and occurrences I don't have to tell you about the toppling of statues what's happened to um Christopher Columbus, America Vespucci, Need I Go On, um, the founding fathers of America, Tom and James Jefferson. History can also rehabilitate people and ideas that were once scorned, held up to ridicule, contempt, laughter, and show how the original argument, the original judgment, even the event or a person was clearly faulty. You know, there've been a lot of movements, a lot of personalities in the history of the Jewish people as well who kind of achieved temporary fame and popularity. But today they're kind of forgotten in the long view, the long view of history. Many who were criticized called, according to Rabbi Wine, obstructionists, I love that word, and out of touch with society. Um, in retrospect, they're considered kind of heroic. Oh, it's such human nature to race To judge, as I told you at the beginning of this story, that woman who called me out gently and lovingly told me to be more careful with my language when I think about my natural inclination to judge. You know, especially when we have our own preconceived ideas, our biases of what should and shouldn't be or how people should react You know, we can look back and see the mistakes of previous generations. That's what we're good at. We're good at that, of the physical and spiritual tragedy within the Jewish world. And yet somehow we also continue today to allow our personal biases to affect our judgment of events. We judge leaders. We really take ideas to town. And so this is one of the most fundamental ideas that we can learn from the reading this week. And it's especially relevant to our current society and our challenges. Perhaps just to sit back, I love it, to rein in the jerking of the knee. So who was Pinkus? Because I know that some of you are like saying, I really wish I knew more. And uh, I'm going to pretend I understand what she's talking about. Okay, so the Torah records for us the genealogy of Pincus, the true and the justified zealot of history. And you know what? There are a lot of reasons kind of reported uh, as to why the Torah feels impelled to tell us the names of his father and his grandfather. If I wanted to share nothing with you today, this really is it. You know, a lot of commentators saw this as an explanation to justify Pincus's behavior, while others emphasized that it was an explanation for his reward and God granting him the blessing of peace. But aside from these insights, uh, there's another more general message. I like the general messages that the Torah is recording for us. It's very simply a person's behavior affects all of one's family members even those of previous generations who may no longer be currently numbered among the living. A great act of sanctification of God's name, such as the one performed by Pincus, enhances the reputations and the stature of previous generations, as well as, um, as well as Well, this was summed up, actually, I came across this, a yeshiva rebbe summed up a lesson in a very concise, terse manner. If both your grandparents and your grandchildren are proud of you and your achievements, then you are probably all right in heaven's judgment as well. You know, our idea of immorality is based upon generations of our families. Um, Oh, excuse me. I made a state. I was just reading something. Backspace, delete. Jury, disregard the last statement. Our idea of immortality, indeed, living on and on, is based upon generations of our families, both previous generations and later ones. Um, There's a kind of vindication of our lives and our efforts in our accomplishments of those that come after us and continue our values and faith. I promise you to take these moments to sit back to sometimes again, be a human being instead of a human doing and assess where your life is going and what your legacy is. Indeed, we can't control what children and grandchildren will do who they're going to marry and what type of life they'll live. But, you know, innately, we feel that we have a connection to their development and the actions they will take and, more important, to their lines of thought. Um, I share this on a very personal note. I've been doing this show already. I, I don't know. The, the, the producers will have to tell me. I think I'm, this is the third year. And I must confess on the upper left hand side of my computer monitor, I have a piece of bright yellow duct tape. And on it is written the word simply, Daddy. On the up, that's on the left side. On the upper right side, I'm looking at it right now. It has the name, and I'm not going to say the name, but it has this, the name of my favorite teacher, my Holy Rebitson. And I have her name. And when I do this show, which really kind of picks up on the Parsha and the the expression, the the idea of before whom we stand, I know that if I can speak in front of my teacher and if I can speak in front of my Holy Father, if I can say whatever I'm saying, that I'm doing okay and that what I'm trying to share with you is good stuff. The Torah emphasizes for us that Pincus's zealotry did not come to him in a vacuum. Um, Everyone has free will and freedom of behavior, good behavior or bad behavior. Don't believe that it's not predestined, according to the Torah. But medicine has shown us in the physical world that there is an element of physical predestination in our DNA. And DNA can um, impact our moral behavior. But Judaism always envisions itself not only as a universal faith, but as a particular family as well. It's what I was trying to explain to you. When it comes to all that missionary material, don't mess with our family. Celebrate the family. Be proud to be part of a Jewish orbit. You know, one of the most destructive trends in today's society is this erosion of a sense of family in the world. And among, forgive me, Jews in particular, assimilation. It's not just, I saw a video this week. It had me cringing and crying and weeping. It was put out by a supposedly Jewish organization that was explaining what it means to be Jewish is what remains in your heart. It's okay if you intermarry, if you have a Jewish home. It's okay to intermarry if you get your, perhaps halachically, according to Jewish law, Non-Jewish children come to synagogue and get to choose at the age of 12, 13, 16, 18. As simple as this, assimilation, don't kid yourself. It means abandoning family, and abandoning family certainly contributes to intensified assimilation and a loss of Jewish feelings and identity. And I promise you, if any of you think that these words are coming from a place of smugness? Trust me, they're not. It is happening, has happened, and will probably continue to happen in my own holy family as well. I'm speaking with you as a sister. It's kind of ironic that in a time such as now, when most children can be privileged to know their grandparents, this did not happen in my parents' generation, and even great-grandparents'. The relationship between generations in a lot of Jewish families is frayed and weak. So here comes Pincus to reinforce this concept of tying generations, past, present, future, together. It's really important for us to know Pincus' genealogy, because otherwise we have no clue as to who Pincus was, and why he behaved as he did in those given circumstances. All right. In our section, what I want to just share with you, the last section where we call from the Torah to your table, it gives me great joy to think that the things that I'm discussing with my husband and guests at our Shabbos table might indeed pepper yours. And of course, I love your reaction. So according to the Abarbanel, the mitzvah, the commandment of what we call the, uh, korban tamid, which is actually a consistent sacrifice is daily physical demonstration of the principle of hakorat tov, acknowledging the good. Okay, I talked a little bit about it in the hospital. Um, so so um, in Rabbi Avraham Chil's Sefer, I got this from uh, his book, The Mitzvot, Uh, It's written as followed. A man should be grateful to God for what he considers natural phenomena, but what what are really the finest gifts that God can bestow on him? Natural phenomena. First is a gift of life. Secondly, there's the gift of sustenance. The offering of the korban tamid, this constant sacrifice in the morning is an expression of gratitude to God for returning man's soul to him after having had it, embraced it, in his keeping all night. The second offering expresses gratitude for his food, his livelihood, which God has granted him during the daytime. So all of us are going to discuss this commentary and the principle of hakorat tov acknowledging the good at our Shabbos tables. You know also... In the Talmud Yerushalami, we read that Pincus' act opposed the will of the wise men at the time. Rabbi Bar Pazi goes even further, saying that they would have excommunicated him, had it been in later times, had not a voice, a divine voice, proclaimed quote, he and his seed after him shall have an eternal priestly covenant. In addition, had Zimri turned on Pincus and killed him, Zimri would have been actually exonerated so we come up to a possible solution to this problem Pincus the problem of Pincus is he a hero or is he a perpetrator I think that's what I called the show last year it comes from the Torah itself where it's written that Pincus was zealous for his god meaning that his zealousness was entirely enveloped with pure intentions. Now stay with me on this because you got to be careful because there's a slippery slope here. Rabbi Yehuda Leib Hasnan says that without these pure intentions to serve God, an act of zealousness can be a crime itself. The Chafetz Chaim, who I quote frequently and in his book, Shmirat HaLashon, Guide Your Tongue, maintains that a zealot who has killed someone must scrupulously avoid all trace of sin as long as he lives. Otherwise, he is not a true zealot. He's a hothead. Well, the Chavetz Chaim doesn't use the word hothead. That's mine. And his act will be considered as if he has illegally shed blood. Rashi adds a further qualification to the term kanaim, zealots, by defining them as respectable people who avenge God's anger. They are allowed to kill the sinner while in the act. It is interpreted to mean that the zealot must free himself from personal interests and avenge only the wrath of God. This is the reason why Pincus and not Moshe killed the sinners. Hasidic literature tells us that Zimri and his men Zimri is the slain one came to Moshe saying who permitted you to wed Yitro's uh, daughter a Midianite carrying this accusation with him it weighed very heavily on Moshe and he feared that if he killed Zimri his intentions would not have been pure but would have been tinged with self interest over um, Zimri's outburst. You know, in closing today, I just want to share with you this is what I brought from the hospital, and I bring it to you. If we could all look into each other's hearts and understand the unique challenges each of Israel, us, Israel news
0: talk radio perhaps, heard around the world. Perhaps,
1: we would treat each other more gently. With more love, with more patience, with more tolerance, and with more care. My name is Andrea Sementov. Thank you for joining me this morning on Pull Up a Chair. Shabbat Shalom and from Jerusalem.
0: Israel News Talk Radio's chat room.